Welcome back to the Gospel Baptist Church podcast, where we focus on the Bible and God's plan for our lives. Though this day in history is filled with pain and confusion, the Bible offers the hope and instruction we all need. So let's dive into today's message and hear how God's Word has the answers for today. One hand. It's so, like I remember having a cartoon. I was called Super Grand. I know some of you remember Super Grand, and they're having a strongman competition. And at the end of Super Grand, we pick the ball all the way up and just carry them away. It was just really funny. You know, I love the humor in it. Or maybe super fit people, uh, special ops soldiers who can walk for 45 uh, for miles with 45 kilogram backpacks uh, on. However, there is a strength that is more important than physical strength and power. Mental strength is very important as it is so important to have good mental health, but there is a strength that goes even deeper that is more important. It's good to have physical strength, it's important to have mental strength, but sometimes we put too much effort, thank you so much, into building the least important type of strength. This morning we're going to see from the Bible the type of strength that we really Need. First Chronicles chapter 28, we look at verse 1. And David assembled all the princes of Israel, the princes of the tribes, and captains of the companies uh, that ministered to the king by course, and the captains over the thousands, and captains over the hundreds, and the stewards over all the substance and possession of the king, and of his sons, with the officers, with the mighty men, and all the valiant men unto Jerusalem. Long verse, isn't it? Verse 2. Then David the king stood up upon his feet and said, Hear ye, my brethren, and my people ask for me. I have I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and for the footstool of our God, and had made ready for the builders. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build a house for my name, because there has been a man of war and has shed blood. Howbeit the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he had chosen Judah to be the ruler, and of the house of Judah, and the house of my father. And among the sons of my father, he liked me to make me king over all Israel. And of all my sons, for the Lord had given me many sons, he had chosen Solomon, my son, to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over all Israel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, as we look at the word of God this morning, I do pray. As we look at this scripture, as we look at this chapter, I pray you give us the courage and strength that we need. I pray we'll start to look for the right kind of strength. Lord, we live in a world where people look to the wrong sources. They will look to all the wrong places for what they need. But I pray this morning people will be convinced that they need to look to you. And they will know this morning how to look to you. Bless your word. Bless the hearers. Prepare us, Lord. Let us forget about everyone and everything. Let us meet with God this morning in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, so first thing I want to share with you, number one, David assembled, as he was strong in the Lord himself, he assembled all the strong men of Israel. He called for an assembly, and David assembled all the princes of Israel. I'm not going to read that long verse again, but I remember when I was in secondary school, it was like a, a thousand years ago, but I remember being in secondary school, and we had an assembly. An assembly was when all 600 students of us from the school would gather together to hear the announcements for the day from the, announce, from the headmaster. I think it was every single day we had an assembly. And uh, I remember that the assembly was always ended with a time of prayer. Imagine that. 
Imagine praying before the day began. I thought that was pretty cool when I look back. It was a good thing. David called for an assembly, and I'm sure he had more than 600 gathered in his assembly, the most influential of the land, who's, who directed the heartbeat of the country. They were all gathered together. And because of Israel's dominance in the world, on the world scene, Israel was the dominant country. They were the world power. I'd say this gathering of all these people were, were, was more important than the G8 so much. Wow. I mean, this was a big gathering of people. He, got, he called for an assembly, and he gathered the strong princes. Look at verse 1. And David assembled all the princes of Israel. Now, the, who were the princes? They were the representatives of the 12 tribes of Israel. You may remember that the man, jo J Jacob, had 12 sons. And those 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. Each, each of those sons became a leader of, the tri of a tribe, of a family within Israel. There were 12 families, 12 tribes within Israel. And so these, these uh, princes were a representative from each tribe. Each had tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of people that followed them. He didn't just gather the strong princes, he gathered the strong captains. These were the men that were under the strong princes. And nonetheless, they were powerful and they were influential. They had a voice in the land of Israel. And then he also gathered the, uh, I thought this was interesting, he gathered the powerful stewards. Look at verse 1 again. It says here, the princes of the tribes, I'm in the middle of verse 1, the princes of the tribes and the captains of the companies uh, that, that ministered to the king by course and the captains of the thousands, the captains of the hundreds and the stewards over all the substance and possessions of the king. So these were the stewards he gathered together. These were the economists. The economic think tank. You ever heard of the OECD, the think tank? The economists, the people that made political, or should I say, financial decisions, or at least gave their opinions so people would make good financial decisions. No doubt the Minister for Finance was among them. And they were deciding how, these people decided how the money was spent. And there was millions of euros worth of money, billions perhaps of euros of money spent in the, in, 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 in the, in the land. And they were deciding how this money would be spent. So they were all gathered together. And the last group he gathered together were the valiant men. The valiant men. If we're looking at the end of verse 1. And it says here. With the officers and with the mighty men. And with all the valiant men. Onto Jerusalem. So when David's calling for this big assembly with all these people. He's going to say something that was really important. He was going to say something he wanted their ears to hear. And, and all these people, these were the strongest mentally, these were the strongest physically, these were the strongest in every way, shape or form. And he's gathering them all together, so everybody's going, what's David going to say? What's going to happen? There's this big meeting as David gathers everybody, uh, the most important people in the whole land together for a very special announcement. You know the first thing David did? I love this. Look at verse 2. And David the king stood up upon his feet. And said, hear me, my brethren. He called them all brothers. All brothers. Hear me, my brethren, and my people. As for me, I had in mine heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made it ready for the building. Do you know the first thing he did when he gathered everyone together, he expressed how much he loved the Lord. He, expects, he expressed his heart for God. David didn't care 
what the most powerful people do, in, in, in the most muscular, the most the fastest, the quickest, the, the strongest. He didn't care about their opinions. He just wanted them to let he wanted to let them know how much you love the Lord. I, I love God. You know I love God. You know I'm not perfect, but I love God. In fact, the whole land of Israel knew how much David loved God. As a father and as a husband, he had many failures. He made many mistakes. However, as a king, he was upright and he was known as righteous. He was known as a godly ruler. There goes David. You know you're going to get a fair hearing with David. You know you're going to get a fair trial with David. His personal life stinks a little bit, if you, like, if you know what I mean. But all his judgments are just according to the scripture. I'm so glad he's our king. He loved the word of God, David did. He wasn't perfect, but he loved the word of God. All his judgments were solidly based on the word of God. And he didn't compromise. That's what the Bible says. That's what we're going to do. Loving scripture, he wrote many songs under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And 2 Samuel 23 verse 1 refers to him as the sweet psalmist of Israel. He wrote the psalms, the sweet psalmist of Israel. This is the king who was the man after God's own heart. He now was addressing the leaders of the land. And the first thing he wanted to let them know is how much he loved the Lord. Now the time of this proclamation, of this meeting, was just before Solomon, his son, was crowned king. Let's go back to, or sorry, go forward to, to chapter 29. Go forward a few pages, maybe one page, I don't know, maybe a couple pages. Look at verse 20. We're only going forward to, I mean, a very short space, a day or two, not even that. And David said to all the congregation, Now bless the Lord your God. And all the congregation blessed the Lord God of their fathers and bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord and the king. I mean, we're, 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 we're just talking right at the same time, not even days. Verse 23. Then Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as king instead of David his father and prospered and all Israel obeyed him. So this was just before Solomon, his son, was made king. Let's go back to 1 Kings chapter 1. I want you to take a look at what was going on here. Backwards now, 1 Kings chapter 1. If you're not used to turning places in your Bible, just listen, it's fine. Just listen in. Don't want you to miss anything God has for you this morning. 1 Kings chapter 1. So David, Solomon was being crowned king at this point. So let's see where David was at. 1 Kings chapter 1 verse 1. Now King David was old and stricken in years. And they covered him with clothes, but he got no heat. My wife is like that sometimes. <laughs> I mean, it, the heat goes on, you're like, I'm dying. But there comes a time in your life where you just can't get the heat into you. Your blood pressure is low, the circulation isn't happening the way it's meant to happen, and you're just cold. David was at that place. He was right towards the end of his life. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says that the days of David drew nigh that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying he was right at the end of his life. At this point in David's life, he was weak in body. I want you to understand that he was weak in body. 
You know, we all have weak bodies. Even Eddie Hall used to be the strongest man in the world. Bit of a character, he could lift 501 kilograms. That's heavy. Until 24-year-old Oleksii, I'm going to kill his name, Novikov, 24-year-old young lad, just smashed his record by lifting 537 kilograms in 2020. But they're weak. They're all weak in body. You say, but they are so strong. No, they're weak. They're weak. You know, when you're young and in your prime, you think you're invincible. I mean, I used to. I used to do all sorts of crazy things. I, I, I remember when I should have been studying for my junior cert, I had better ideas. And I remember going into the hay shed, and there was this big bar across the hay shed. I jumped off this eight-foot ledge or something like that to, to jump onto the, to the bar and reach the bar. And I jumped too, too low, and I missed it. And I landed on the ground. I was shaking a little bit. But you know what? I'm invincible. I'm a superman. I've got my cape on me. Well, I didn't. But anyway, I thought I did. So I got up again. I jumped too high the second time, and the bar hit me right here in my hands. I missed it again, and I landed on my back. I remember everybody looking around, just laughing. I remember there's a guy called Dave, and he just he used to laugh through his nose, and he was just going, <laughs> laughing at me. And I'm, <laughs> I can breathe. They called the ambulance. Stepmom came up, and she was crying. I was crying, saying how sorry I should have been studying. They went to the hospital, gave me a few injections. I hobbled home, and I was my sternum. I cracked my sternum. And you know what? Didn't stop me. I'm Superman. I'm Superman. My friend had this, uh, my dad said, you know, you need to recuperate. Something for the junior there's so much pressure. So much pressure. I was under so much stress. Not. But anyway, uh, I was, I was, uh, my, 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 it's probably a bit too chill. That was my problem. But my dad sent me to, to uh, the, it was the pastor's son actually at the time. And he was, he was as wild as I was. And, we had this, he had this moped, I mean the old fashioned mopeds. You pedal to get it going again. And uh, so we were trying to, we didn't have the measurement to put two stroke petrol in it. And uh, so we were trying to make up our own mix for it. And, and I was taking it out and places I shouldn't be taking, I won't go into details at all. But anyway, so I was riding and riding, trying to get it going. I just remember, you know, it just missed it. And I remember the feeling of my sternum. I mean, I'd only cracked it two days before. It was like, Ugh! But I was going to keep on going. I was going to keep on going, and I got that bike going. It was great fun. But you think you're invincible when you're a kid. You think you're invincible. But our bodies are weak. Our bodies are weak. And it's not until you get older and your hair starts to fall out, and wrinkles start to gather around your eyes, and your strength starts to naturally diminish, and you realize you're not as strong as you used to be. You know, David became weak in body, but he was strong in spirit. Look at 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 2. David said, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong therefore, and show thyself a man. And he's speaking to Solomon here. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep the statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself, that the Lord may continue his word, which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart, with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man 
on the throne of Israel. David was weak in body. But I want to tell you something. He was strong in spirit. He was strong enough to want his son to be manly. Oh, for, to, for men to raise their children, their boys, to be manly. It's okay to cry when you fall. Just not cry too much. But be manly. You make sure you protect people. Be manly. You stand up to that bully and say, don't bully that child. Be manly. Be manly. He wanted his son to be manly. He said, he said, he said show thyself a man. I remember years ago there was this fella. He was a nut. I don't know what was wrong with him. And they used to come visit our church. And <laughs> at the early days we attracted all nuts. I'm glad no, there's no nuts here today. Amen. But anyway, this guy was seriously you no. Know, people in the, in the church were afraid of him. And uh, uh, he would come up and he'd threaten the ladies of the church. You know, I don't know what he said to me. He's just a nut. And, uh, and the, one of the fathers came up to me. One of the dads, the husband said, are you not afraid of him? I said, no. Why? And he looked at me up and down. He cursed me up and down. Just looked at me in the eye and said, what are you going to do? I mean, maybe he could have hit me. I don't know. I just, I guess I didn't think about it. I was either manly or stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I remember Brother McKinney was preaching and he was not happy and he kicked the stairs on the way down and, and Brother McKinney had to come back and fix it first. You know, <laughs> but <laughs> the rented building we were using. But you know the thing is, um, you, we've got to raise our boys to be manly. Not be afraid. Not be afraid. <laughs> He was strong enough, David was strong enough to want his son to obey God. Look at verse 3. It says, and to keep the charge of the Lord thy God. That's being manly, isn't it? Obeying God. Obeying God. He wanted his son to obey God. It was still in his heart. He was strong enough to want his son to follow the scriptures and to walk in his ways. You know, it takes courage to walk in the ways of the Lord. It takes strength to walk in the ways of the Lord. You know, anyone can go to a gym and go, do this all day until you can lift 500 kilos over your head. Well, maybe not. But anyway, but anybody can do that. Anyone can. But not anyone can stand up in a crowd and say, I'm a Christian and I'm not ashamed. Not anyone can stand in a crowd and be mocked and scorned and say, hey, bring it on. Not you're looking for it. Not you're looking. We're not going, no, we're not going around and say, I'm, I'm a Christian. You want to mock me? It'll be fun. You know, it's not like that. But it happens. It happens. And it takes courage and strength to let it just wash over you like water off a duck's back. You know, your kids say it to you, oh, I don't like you, mom. You know, it's not going to last. Be your auntie next. Can I have some ice cream? Man, come on, can I have some ice cream? You know, I thought you said you didn't like me. Oh, I changed my mind. You know, <laughs> it doesn't take long for our kids to change our minds. You know, it doesn't take long for people who mocked you to turn around the next day or the next moment and say, you know, you, you there's something you got there. Because I've seen that happen. And maybe some of you who had enough courage to, to withstand the, the criticism and to withstand the, the confusion and to withstand those knocks and those, 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 that little bit of persecution. Those of you who just stood still and didn't run away and didn't get afraid. Maybe you saw people change after it. And you said, oh, God is an amazing God, isn't he? Mm -hmm. When you're not afraid, some neat things can happen at times. Isn't that right? Some neat things can happen. You've got to be strong. David may have been strong in body, or sorry, weak in body, but he was strong enough to want his son to be manly. He was strong enough to want his son to obey God. He was strong enough to want his son to follow the scriptures. He was strong enough to want a legacy um, for his children and for his family. Look at verse 4. 
that the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, it shall not fail thee, said thee, a man on the throne of Israel. It takes a bit of strength to want God to bless your family. It takes a bit of strength to say, I'm willing, now listen to this, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to see the blessing of God on my family. Those people who are strong in the world, Eddie Hall and the other 24-year-old dude who can lift 537 kilos, they work out, they put in the effort, and they're not afraid to put in the effort. You know, Ronaldo, you don't have to like him, but Ronaldo got uh, the, the footballer of the century, and you know what, I think he deserved it more than Messi did. And Josh, he disagrees, but that's okay, we all have our opinions. Ronaldo's the first on training ground to be there, and he's the last to leave. He puts in the effort. He has natural skill, but he also puts in a whole lot of effort. It takes effort to accomplish the things you want to accomplish. Nobody becomes the strongest man in the world without effort. You don't come out of the womb, lift up stuff, lift up this car, you know? Maybe some do. But usually it doesn't happen that way. You've got to put in the effort. And it takes effort to have spiritual strength. It puts work, and you've got to say, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. To have that type of strength and will to do whatever it takes. David him may have become weak in body, but he was strong in spirit. You can I tell you something? Age doesn't steal your heart. Age does not steal your heart. It may steal your strength, your physical strength. It doesn't steal your heart. Older people normally get more religious as they prepare for what's next. The freighter you get, the more you realize that you're going to face God someday soon. You better be ready to face your maker. But not always. It boggles my mind that some older people just harden even more. It shocks me. It's not their age, it's their pride. They harden themselves at the time when they should be softening, isn't that right? Older people can be very strong. My uncle, in his 70s, I think I told you before, I just love the story, I'll tell you again because it's so much fun. But his, his dear wife, had a, she died of cancer, she had this chairlift. And somebody broke into his house after she died. And, and was rooting through his doors. He woke up to see someone, he was in his 70s, and he saw someone rooting through his doors. And they thought, oh, he's this elderly, frail man because the chair is there, you know, not realizing it wasn't his. And he jumped out of his bed, and he showed me, he said, you see that impression in the wall? See that, see that, 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 that broken plaster there? That's why I stuck his head. <laughs> I'd love to be in there. Let's see Uncle Alex. Laughing that fella around the place will break into his house. <laughs> Sorry, I have no pity for people that break into people's houses. Let them get a hiding. Especially from the 70 year olds. <laughs> Several years ago, I read about a 73 year old man who seriously worked out and said, I'm stronger now than I've ever been before. But I want to ask myself the question Are these people building strength in the right areas of their life? That's a good question, isn't it? Not David. He made sure that he remained strong in spirit. And you know, let's go back to our text in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 28. 1 Chronicles chapter 28. 1 Chronicles chapter 28. So David was, was crowned king at this stage. And David wanted Solomon to accomplish the things that he couldn't. He wanted David, Solomon to accomplish the things that he couldn't. Look at verse 3. But God said to me, Thou shalt not build a house for my name, because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. 
And David wanted Solomon to continue the work that he began. That's what he wanted. David attempted absolutely everything he could to build God's temple. And God said, no, you can't do it. And David reasoned in himself and said, well, God said, I can't build a temple. But he didn't say my son couldn't. And so he, he got working on plans. You know, sometimes God says no to us. And we struggle with that, don't we? You know, do your kids ever struggle with you when you say no? No, they don't. My kids, when I say no, they, mean, they know I mean no and they just accept it. What planet are you on? I know kids, I have four of them. And I know when I say no, they struggle with us. <laughs> yes, Dad. <laughs> I'd love to say that was always that way. But there's sometimes this little battle that goes on until they mean no, they realize no means no. It's like, I told you a hundred times no. <laughs> and there's a battle that goes on. You know what? And you think we're not like that? When God says no to us, we don't battle him. Of course we battle him. But the one thing I want you to be reminded of is this. God is sovereign. God sits upon the throne. God decides what's going to happen, not us. And he decides who he's going to use. We say, Lord, I want you to use me. God says, no, I want to sidestep you. I want to win the goodbye prize. No, I don't want you to win. I want somebody else. I don't like that idea. But you know, we're like that as adults. God, I want you to do this in my life. Lord, I'm praying. How many times I've prayed? The Bible says about the imprecatory woman, Luke 11, keep asking, keep seeking, keep praying, and we're praying, and God says no. And we don't like it when God says no, do we? But when God says no, it reminds us who's on the throne. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And sometimes I think God just says no to remind us who's on the throne. You know, sometimes it's good for our kids to hear the word no. Oh, you might hurt their, their, their mental health. <laughs> no, I tell you what, if you want to hurt their mental health, always say yes. And then they go to the real world and they hear no, and they're devastated. I've never heard that word before. Did you say no? I can't have that job. Yes, I did say no because it's a better candidate. A better candidate? I've never failed anything in my life. You know, you can't even fail the leading search anymore. <laughs> okay, whatever. That's really going to prepare you for real life, isn't it? <laughs> Folks, I just want to tell you something. This world does not prepare us for real life. But the Bible does, it, and a relationship with Jesus Christ does, because God sometimes tells no. And you may argue with God, saying, Lord, I'm the best qualified person you have around here. And God says no. Irrelevant. No. God sometimes says no, because he's on the throne, and he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. I think we've all seen God drastically change our plans over the last few years. Would you agree with that? It's like, that wasn't in my plans. But you know what? God reminds us who's on the throne. And I'm not saying that COVID-19 is a judgment from God. I don't even believe that. But it does remind us who's on the throne. Isn't that right? It reminds us who's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. David attempted to build a temple. And David wanted Solomon then to complete this temple. 
Because God said no to him, but he didn't say no to Solomon. Look at verse 10. We're, we're in verse 10 here. Take heed now, he says to Solomon, for the Lord had chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Be, be strong and do it. It takes strength to do God's will. It takes strength. Because you're going to face many obstacles. You're going to face many obstacles. So David then told David that Solomon these things. And in fact, he did everything humanly possible so Solomon could do the task. He gave Solomon the blueprints. Look at verse 11. David gave to Solomon uh, his son the pattern of the porch and of the houses thereof and of the treasuries and of the upper chambers and the inner parlors, everything. And he wanted Solomon to use all the materials he's provided. He didn't say, okay, I can't do it, so Solomon, you do it, use your resources. No, he didn't do that. He says, I want to help. You know, <clears throat> I love people who have a humble spirit. I love it. And I bet you do too. I love it when somebody says, you know, I'm not qualified to do that job. I'm not able to do that job, but I'm going to do everything I can to make you successful. I love that. I'm not going to get any credit out of this. I'm not going to get any glory out of this. I don't need any. But I just want to help you along the way, even if nobody mentions my name at the end of it. Isn't that a blessing? Love people like that. And that's what David was doing. He said in verse 14, he gave gold by the weight of things of gold and instruments of all manner of silver service, silver also for all instruments of silver by weight for all instruments of every kind of service. He just gave all the materials. That was David, strong in the Lord, a man after God's own heart. So David expressed a strong heart for God. But thirdly, okay, it's decided it doesn't want to work. Modern technology is a blessing, amen? <laughs> I know it's charged. Okay, it'll come back in a minute. Third, look at verse 9. David wanted Solomon to have that same strong heart. Look at verse 9. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind, for the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found to thee. If thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. He wanted he wants Solomon to have that same strong heart. Okay? You know, it would take a perfect heart to do God's will. You say, what does it mean to have a perfect heart? You know, it says here in, in verse, um, where's it, verse 9. It says here, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart. What does it mean to have a perfect heart? The only way you can have a perfect heart is to do what God requires of you. You've got to do what God requires of you. Acts chapter 17, verse 13. God now commanded all men everywhere to repent. If you want to have a perfect heart before God, you're going to have to repent. You need to repent of the sins you've committed. Maybe the things you know you've done. You've got to bring that before God. You've got to repent. We must repent of the sins we've thought on, even if we didn't do them. I didn't do it. But you thought about it. See, sin begins in the heart. You've got to repent of that. We've got to repent of our self-will. Lord, I want to do this. Lord, you don't understand. I want to do this. And God says, you've got to repent of that self-will. 
You've got to ask the Lord Jesus Christ for your forgiveness, for his forgiveness, should I say. Because you know, the thing is, we don't want to give up our self-will. Then we've got to repent of that not unwillingness to give up our self-will. We've got to repent. If you want to have a perfect heart before God, you've got to repent. But also, if you want to have a perfect heart, you've got to confess your sin. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, we need to be cleansed from our sin. Years ago, you used to knock on doors and you'd ask people, are you going to go to heaven? And they said, no, I don't think so, I'm not sure. Now you knock on doors, you talk to people about Jesus, and everybody's going to heaven. Everybody's. Everybody's good enough to get to heaven. You know, and I asked somebody recently, I said, are we just getting better in society? Is that what's going on? They said, no. Do you know what's happening? People have brought God down to their level. And God is less holy than he's ever been. In fact, we've got to the place where God's not holy anymore. That's a terrible thing, isn't it? In our minds, of course, he is holy. But we need to be cleansed from our sin. We've got to come before our Lord with our sin and say, God, you've got to forgive me. You know, Jesus Christ came into this world so he could cleanse us from our sins. He knew we were sinners. Sinners bound for hell, as the Bible tells us. And if we want our sin forgiven, we've got to go to Jesus. You've got to bring it before Jesus. There is no other way. There's no plan B. Some people work so hard. I'm in a Christian family and everybody around me is a Christian. I want to be a good person. I'm going to try something. It's never going to work. Oh, I asked Jesus to save me, but I, but I just don't have any desire to serve God. But, but I, I just want to be, at least be a good person. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Oh, look, I, I hear people tell me I need to be saved. What is the save business? I just try and be as a good person. I try to do unto others as, 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 as they do unto me. And, and I'll just try and be, live by the golden rule. It's not going to work. You've got to confess your sin. You've got to repent of your sin. You've got to deal with your sin. Because when you're honest, you come before God as dirty. Or dirty. <coughs> Today, in this era, we're all germophobics. I just coughed and half the congregation is sort of scared. Don't worry, I'm at the tail end of a throat infection. I'm doing great. It's over. But I'm doing well, thank God. But you know what? The thing is that we are germophobes. And we, every time I go to an ATM now, I press those buttons, I want to go to that liquid gel, I want to wipe my hands from everybody else's germs. I become germophobic myself. But the thing is, there's a germ that we don't see. It's germs are things we don't see. But there are germs on our souls that we don't see. It's called sin. And you know what? If somebody got, when, when my kids did biology, they become germophobic. They were like, I gotta sanitize everything. Before I eat my, my sandwich, I'm gonna spray the, you know, liquid alcohol over it. So it, you know, the, the surgical stuff that is. The surgical stuff, let me just be, be clear there. So I, I did all this gel over it, so I just germophobize it. That's probably not a proper word, but it sounds good. But you know what? We become so ignorant of our sin. We're so ignorant. We, we, can, we, can, we, can, see, we can see things and, and we're afraid of germs on our hands. But we're not afraid of the sins on our souls. We're not afraid of the sins on our souls that are keeping us out of heaven. And we say, oh, germs are going to, are, are going to cause me trouble in the future. But our, your sins are going to even cause bigger trouble. 
You know, fear not that they, him that can kill the body. Fear him that could cast body and soul into hell, the Bible says. You have a bigger problem than just a few germs on your hands. You've got sin on your soul that needs to be cleansed. And only Jesus can forgive your sin. You've got to go to the cross. Jesus Christ died on the cross for all your sins. If you want to have a perfect heart, you've got to go to the cross. You need your own conversion experience. You need your own relationship with God. You can't get a relationship with God from your parents. You can't get a relationship with God from your children. You can't get a relationship with God from your friends. You've got to get your own relationship with God. You've got to go to Jesus yourself. God doesn't have grandchildren. God just has children. And you need to go to God for yourself. And there are some people who will sit in church for days and weeks and months and years and never get saved. It blows my mind because they've never gone to Jesus because they've never seen the need. But I'm urging you to examine your heart and to think about your soul's need. I'm urging you to deal with your own sin and let God cleanse your heart. He shed his precious blood on the cross for all your sin. There's a reason why he had those nails in his hands and nails in his feet. There's a reason why he gave his back to the smiters. There's a reason why he hung on a cross. There's a reason why God came down from heaven. It was to die for all your sin and all my sin. You've got to get your sin dealt with. You know, there's a lot of people who are happy in this life, but there's no joy. No joy. There's a lot of people who have temporary peace, but there's no real peace. Because that only comes between you and God when your heart is right with God. You've got to go to Jesus Christ. You've got to go. You say, well, some preacher prayed on me when I was four. So what? Well, I'm glad he did. That's not going to save you. You've got to go to Jesus yourself. You need your own relationship with him. On your own. Go on your own when no one's looking. Go on your own to Jesus Christ yourself and repent and confess your sin and get your own relationship with Jesus Christ. It is so hard for me as a Christian to look at people not having their own relationship with Jesus Christ. Get your own relationship with God. Get your own relationship with Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for all your sins. He was buried, he rose again. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. That's why he came into this world. That's why. And every one of us needs our own conversion, our own meeting with God. Solomon had that encounter himself. He had that. He had that perfect heart. He began with that perfect heart with God. And that's what gave him the strength to do God's will. You're never going to be able to do God's will if you don't have a right heart relationship with God. You've got to have your own relationship with Him. So it would take a perfect heart to do God's will. It would take a lot of courage. It would take a lot of courage to do God's will. Look at verse 20 here, please. And David said to Solomon, Be strong and of good wash courage. I want to tell you something. Maybe some here are thinking, I don't know about this Christianity stuff. I'm not sure if I want to be a Christian. I'm not sure. It takes a lot of courage to be a Christian. Because you're going to face opposition. Do you have the courage to face that opposition? Because not everybody's going to be excited that you become a Christian. Some people will say, what have you done that for? Are you going to become some religious nut now? People aren't going to understand. Some will. 
Many won't. Do you know, I want to tell you something. If Christianity was easy, everyone would be doing it. Isn't that true? Why wouldn't you want to have all your sins forgiven? Why wouldn't you be on your way to heaven? Why wouldn't you want to go to heaven? Everybody wants to go to heaven. I've never met someone yet who says, oh yeah, honestly, really, seriously, I really want to die in my sins and go to hell. I really do. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to it all my life. I've never met anyone like that. They usually say, oh, I want to go to hell so I can party with my friends. But they realize there's no party when the fires are burning. There's no party there. <laughs> I guess they missed that point about the burning stuff. But people don't want to go to hell. But the thing is, the pathway to heaven is not an easy one, is it? There's a lot of obstacles along the way. There's a lot of opposition on the way. Yea, they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It takes courage to be a Christian. It really does. To be a real Christian. A real Christian. It takes courage. And, 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 and that's why David said to Solomon, be of strong and of good courage. It takes courage. Solomon would need the courage to take a stand and do the will of God. It would take a lot of support to do God's will. Look at verse 21. I love this. Look at verse 21. And behold the courses of the priests and the Levites. Even they shall be with thee. For all the service of the house of God. And they shall be with thee for all manner of workmanship. And, 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 and he just goes on to say the things I'm going to do. But there was a whole course of priests ready to support Solomon. Every Christian needs support, isn't that right? You'll never guess what God gave as a support structure for the Christian. The church! Isn't that wonderful? It's wonderful to come to church and have people around you just like you. Sometimes we come to church and say, nobody's like me, I have my own problems, and nobody has problems like I had. If they even knew the things I showed, but they'd never want to talk to me again. And guess what? You'll never guess they have the same problems you do. Just different labels on it, but everyone has problems. Everyone has struggles, and everyone is a sinner. Don't shock you, we're all sinners. But many of us have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, amen? amen. We're saved sinners. And so if somebody comes in here with their sinful issues, we'll say, you know what? We're like you. We have issues too. Let's help each other out, amen? That's what church is all about, helping each other out. And anyone who looks down on somebody else has no idea what Christianity is all about. Not a clue. Because Christianity is for weak people who struggle, who fail, but who've got a great God. Amen. And the church is a support structure, isn't that right? Amen. You know, the Holiday Bible Club. I love the Holiday Bible Club. You know, we just had the Holiday Bible Club. We didn't have a ton of visitors. We didn't have, even have a ton of kids. We're going through that process in our church where the kids have grown up. You're looking at them, you're going to eat them and say, What happened to you, Eden? You've grown. I'm not just picking on her. Naomi's grown, and all these kids have grown. So what has happened to these kids? They just have grown up. They're not kids anymore. Dexter, that was his last year. Wow. They've all grown up. All the kids that were our kids. So they have to find new kids somewhere, you know, and start again, right? Have lots of kids. Just go home and have lots of kids, man. <laughs> That's a bit of a joke now, okay? But the point is, you know, that... Uh, you, you know, things change. And, you know, the focus of our Holiday Bible Club, it wasn't just for those kids from Sarsfield Park who don't come anymore. It's for our kids too, isn't it? But it wasn't just about our kids or the kids from the surrounding areas. It was for the teenagers. They needed that. 
And it wasn't just about the teenagers, it was for the young adults. They needed that. And it wasn't just about the young adults, it was the older adults too, because we did too, you know? Because when you get together and you hop on a holiday Bible club, do you know what? There's a feeling of we're in it together. Isn't that right? There's a camaraderie, there's an esprit de corps, that big word that means we're all in it together. It's wonderful, isn't it? And you know what? That's called support. That's called support. We support each other. That's what Solomon needed to do God's will. And we need to be involved in the church. That's why internet church is practically, I wouldn't say practically useless. That's a bit strong. But it's not church. You know, you don't get any of that stuff going on in internet church because people need to be in church. We need to be around each other, supporting each other, encouraging each other, blessing each other. That's how it works. That's what church is all about. We're in it together, amen? amen. And nobody has it all together. And you know, Josiah in the car was talking to the hand, I overheard him say a statement, and he said, you know, I'm glad we're all different. Because when we're all different, then we can help each other out with each other's weaknesses. Nobody has it all together. I don't care who they are or who they think they are. And if any of you out there think that certain people in this church have it all together, you need to think again because no one does. Amen. We all need each other. And we depend on each other. And we need support from each other. And we need encouragement from each other. And we all work together for each other, using each other's gifts for each other, because that's how God's work happens. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. That's how Solomon's temple was going to be built. That's how God's church is, is built. And finally, it would take a perfect heart, it would take courage, it would take support. Finally, it would take a close walk with God to do His will. Look at verse 20. And David said to Solomon, Be strong and of good courage, and I will do it. Fear not, neither nor be dismayed, for the Lord, even thy God, will be with thee. He will be with you. David told Solomon, his son, God's going to be with you. God's going to be with you. He'll not leave him. He won't forsake him. But Solomon had to look to God. Look at the end of the verse. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee until thou hast finished all the work of the service of the house of the Lord. We need the Lord. We need him. We live in a world where people love to build strengths right now. Isn't that right? People are mad about the gym. You know? There's two things people are mad about in this country. Number one, the gym. Number two, coffee. <laughs> if it's not physical strength, they're all about emotional strength. You know? Gotta build your psyche and your emotional health. And if it's not emotional strength, it's financial strength. Gotta build your pension plan. They'll be involved in this, that, and the other. I wonder if we're putting the right. The, if we're, not, if we're putting enough effort in the right kind of strength. Some work out so hard they build serious physical mus muscle. Others watch motivational video after motivational video so they can build their mental strength. You're good. You can do anything you can. You know, look yourself in the mirror. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm the best. But you know what? There's a better way of thinking. There's a better strength that lasts for all eternity. David told his son that God would be with him as he served the Lord. Let me ask you, is God with you? Is God with you? I mean, do you go to church and you collect, you know, when I worked in dull stores when I was, you know, 
500 years ago. When I worked in Dulles, we used to have those old time clocks. You've probably seen them in some museum. But you click, clock in, you clock out again. And that's what church is for some people. Ugh. I mean, I mean, in some churches they set the alarm to make sure the pastor doesn't go over. <laughs> you mean, is, is that what it is? I look at my phone. How long is this guy going to be? When is it going to be over? You know, is that what church is for you? Then you, God's not with you. You're on your own. You're on your own. I want to ask, is God with you? Are you clocking in, clocking out again? Or is God with you? Are you building the right type of strength? Is God with you? Do you have sweet fellowship with Jesus Christ? Sometimes we rush into church. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm here. I remember years ago, I was always a bit sedate as a person. Um, I've become a bit more impulsive in my older age. But I remember I was on my way to church and I saw this moped. I don't know where John gets it from. But anyway, I was on this moped, I saw this moped and I decided to erase the church. Now he wasn't going to church, but he was on the on the Asian board. I beat him. I beat him, I do I, I cycled so I was in the 12th year and I was cycling my heart out and I went past the moped. I was doing great about myself. I arrived into church. I started feeling quite warm. I sit in Sunday school enjoying the lesson. I started pulling off layers. Then I had to go to the bathroom. I nearly blacked out. I nearly died. It nearly killed me. But I beat the moped. <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes, we come to church rushing from one thing to another. And our heart, we're, we're, not, we're not listening. You might maybe catch the last final minutes, the last five minutes of the sermon. But you haven't caught much because your heart's somewhere else because you never prepared yourself. And the reason, you know, you're not walking with God. You're clocking in, you're clocking out again, you're doing your duty, you're not walking with God. You don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you need it. I want to ask you the question, do you have that relationship? Do you have that sweet fellowship with Jesus Christ? I mean, you should be walking out of the heavenly realm of your prayer meeting into church with that heavenly realm continuing. And you're just here to have a good time to worship God. Can I hear an amen for that? Amen. And then you should go home again and bring the heavenly realm with you and enjoy your family and bless your family and praise the Lord. And then take that heavenly realm with you into the workplace where it gets really hard, amen. It does get hard. But bring that realm with you, because you're walking with God. Do you have a vibrant relationship with your Savior? Or is he distant? There are times you might feel as weak as a kitten. David did, but he was strong in spirit, right to the end. Let me ask you this morning, are you strong in the Lord? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, I want to thank you so much for your word and I thank you for um, this. Thank you for listening to today's message on the Gospel Baptist Church podcast. To view this and similar messages as a video or for more information about Gospel Baptist Church, head over to lukeandchurch.com. That's lukeandchurch.com. Thank you again and God bless.